Hey friends, I appreciate you tuning into the Deal Farm Podcast, where I hope you feel at least mildly entertained and possibly even inspired to take big action towards improving your life and your business. On this episode of the Deal Farm, Kevin and I sit down with Paul DeCampo to discuss the importance of good copywriting in your campaigns. We all spend way too much money on leads to neglect this all-important aspect of your sales funnel. Stick around and let's dive in. Ken, how you doing today? Oh man, I couldn't be better. How about yourself? I'm looking out the window and you know what I see? Snow. You're I lucky. got snow on the ground. You lucky butt, man. It was pretty awesome. I got to tell you, we got, we got about three, four inches, which is a good snow. Three that's to four crazy. inches, that, that's oh, a man. really nice snow. You can make a snowman, you can sled, but you can also get to the store to buy your milk sandwich. Your milk sandwich. Yeah, what is that about milk and bread, man? I can't live without my milk and bread. Man, it starts, you got even just a hint of snow and people in the South immediately, I've got to go to the store and buy milk and bread, make my milk sandwich. <laughs> Take my milk sandwich. Ridiculous, man. I'll tell you what. So, you know, Virginia, you're just far enough north where you're going to get a couple of good snows a year. And I'm just far enough south in Atlanta where uh, we just don't. Yeah. And well, we get you know, we're, cold without the without the snow. Where it's nice is where in central Virginia, you're just far enough south that it shuts everything down. Like you're going to get oh, some good snows, yeah. but at the same time, schools are going to shut down. Business are going to, you know, every, it, so you, you get the... Uh, sort of the uh, unexpected holiday sort of feel. Well, let's oh. make a fire and hot jolly. Like this would be oh, so great. Man. You lucky butt. We yeah. thought, you know, school was closed this week for our kids because Georgia is panicky now. And, and like, if it gets below freezing, everybody freaks out. And what if the roads freeze and they shut down school this week? And there was literally nothing. It was just cold. That was a week. We shut down because it was cold. Shut the schools down, guys, because might be a little chilly at the bus stop this morning. Well, nobody's so. got a coat, apparently, so shut down the <laughs> <No>. schools. <laughs> yeah, no That's kidding. ridiculous, dude. Yeah, so we were out in the snow. We went sledding. We built a uh, – uh, we didn't do a, a snow fort, but we did a, a snowman. And then it fro- – like, you've got the cold weather right now. Like, it's like single digits. And so now it's just – a white plane of ice oh, like yeah. it's it's just crazy dangerous now so oh, it looks time. nice but you don't want to walk on it well so last night uh, rocco and i you know we knew it was going to get down to 11 it got down to 11 last night like it got cold oh. which and so our pipes none of our infrastructure set up for this so i went you know around the property and found all the hoses and turned them on it was they was too late there for, but the one by my pool i was like oh this one's still on let's go ahead and let's go like just trickle it and let's yeah. go find some concrete, you know, like in yeah. your, on the side and see if we can make ourselves a little ice rink tonight. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Rocket was very excited this morning, except for it got so cold that it still froze. Oh, really? Even the trickle, huh? Even oh, the trickle, man. man. It, it didn't, yeah, it couldn't last the 11 degree temperature. So no ice rink for us. That stinks. Ah, uh, well, you know. You, you got to enjoy the, you'll get a snow. I mean, it had been actually, you know, what was crazy. I read, cause it had been a long, it'd been a couple of years since we had a decent snow here. And I read central park in New York city had not gotten more than, I think it was more than an, an inch or two inches of snow in over 700 days. Like it'd been a long time no since way. I know I couldn't believe that, but yeah, legit. It'd been like 700 days since they'd gotten a couple inches of snow. I last year was, I do remember last year, the winter was pretty mild oh, yeah, uh, nationwide. Place. Yeah. But they're making right now making up for it. it sort of feels like yeah, because the Northeast has been hit a couple times here recently. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Kendra up in New Hampshire, man. She's just getting pounded. She's getting pummeled, man. Well, I talked to somebody. Uh, we did. You and I were on the phone with uh, the guy out in Coeur d'Alene, right? And he's going to get, wait a minute, a foot of snow is what he's getting, right? I'm jealous of that guy. Uh, well, yeah. I'm not, I can't say that I'm jealous, like living up in that. Well, he said just outside of Spokane. Coeur d'Alene looks amazing. I do want to go to Coeur d'Alene really bad just to yeah. see it. See Lake Coeur d'Alene. It looks like an amazing place. Winter, probably not the time to go. I think summer's the time to go. Yeah, a foot of snow is crazy. Uh, have you ever been in where you get a foot of snow? It's like you're not driving anywhere. Like you're stuck. It's 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 fun, but you're not totally. going anywhere. Yeah, you're not going anywhere. No, you just like you said, get out your hot chocolate, put on some warm clothes and enjoy it. You know, unless you work from home. I mean, if you work from home, you're still going to work. I mean, the internet's probably still working. So you're, you're jumping online and still doing Zoom and everything. Yeah, yeah. You know, speaking of quarter lane, it was Paul that we were talking to. I know. I know. <laughs> speaking of Paul. Speaking of, yeah. Speaking of Paul, Paul DeCampo in uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. What a great conversation this was with him, though. I know. About cop. You know, it's it's funny. He'd reached out about being on the podcast, and I was like, copywriting. That's, you know, nobody's talking about copywriting the way they should. And it's such an important component to your business because you spend all this money to generate leads. But then, you know, what are you doing with them? Are you really working them the right way? So I was really intrigued about this conversation. And he did not disappoint. I was convicted. I really was. I mean, <laughs> I, I, talking to him is like, you're right. We could be doing better. We could be doing oh. so much better. Oh, my gosh. Totally. I, was, I was very convicted by it. Totally could be doing. Everybody just about could be doing better in the way of copywriting. And it's something we take for granted. It's like, oh, let me write the sequence. And then you just pull something out of your butt without putting a lot of thought into it. You still want to sell that house or uh, can I buy your house? I'd like to buy your house. How about yeah. that offer I gave you? You want to buy it? Can I buy your house? <laughs> 30 days ago, we spoke. Are you still interested in selling? Yeah. It, you got put way more thought and effort into it. And the people that convert and do online, um, you know, different advertising, whatnot, the ones that really convert are the ones who've really put time and effort into their copywriting. And so that's why I really appreciated this conversation. It's always eye opening to me. It's like, what works? What are you doing that works? Yeah. What are people doing that's wrong? And I thought he shed a lot of light on that. Yeah, it was really valuable. I say we bring him in. It was a great conversation. I say we do it. Let's bring him in. So, Paul, welcome to the show. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate it. So, Paul, you're out of Quarter Lane, Idaho. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Uh, out of the beautiful uh, Quarter Lane Lake out here. Yeah, so, so, yeah, you got to so, tell us. You got snow on the ground today? Is yeah, there what's snow? The there? It's supposed to, supposed to be like 12 inches a day. That's what they say, which is a lot. And, uh, yeah, you're not normal. you're gonna get a foot of snow today. That's what they say. I mean, it's snowing right now, so uh, they say 12 inches. So we'll see. I mean, my wow. kids are gonna be out there right now sledding in a bit. So, are they out of school? Is that or is like in Idaho? Is it like it snows and everybody goes to school still? Uh, well, we we homeschool, so that later on in the day they they'll be sledding. Once they're done with their their schoolwork and stuff. There you go. Yeah, that's great. Our kids are quasi homeschooled as well, and it's uh the days that they're home, it's like their work is done by noon. Every, so just so, like they bust it out, they get up early, they knock it out because they want the whole afternoon to play. And if there's snow on the ground, like that's a bonus. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, um, I, I obviously want to dive into, you know, your specialty, which is copywriting and nurturing leads. But I want to take maybe take us back. Like, how did you get into real estate? You know, I know you're not originally from Coeur d'Alene. Where did you, yeah. you know, start your career? What did that look like? Yeah. Yeah. I grew up out of uh, Southern California, a city called 
uh, little city. It's not really little compared to Coeur d'Alene, I guess, same size, but Chino, California. So I'm um, real close to Riverside, about 45 minutes from LA. Uh, so I started, I was W2 worker. I was a welder for a natural gas company. I was a foreman too. I knew nothing, nothing about marketing sales, nothing, nothing about real estate at all. And uh, kind of dove into that rabbit hole after, of course, like everybody's story, uh, cliche story, reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and jumped into bigger pockets and dove into that rabbit hole. So, and I, I started right away. Um, I started sending out mail, so door knocking, uh, different lists, foreclosure, probate lists and all that, door knocking that. Um, and it was, I mean, as somebody coming from that, like blue collar worker for their, their, you know, they're in their, from their twenties and then transitioning into, into now marketing and sales. That's what you basically are doing when you're looking for deals. Uh, it's, it's, it's tough. It's, it's, a, it's a big learning curve you got to go through if you don't have the natural personality to learn that quickly. Um, I, I do believe you know, everybody can learn how to be a salesman, but I do believe other people have the, 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 um, natural inclination to learn it faster than others. Right. So, totally. um, so I struggled. And so, um, I, you know, I did, I did a, some deals, not a whole lot, but it was just like, it was a lot of money spent. And I, I remember sitting in, and this this ties into what we what I do with Omnidrip, which is follow up. Um, I remember sitting in my car one day, and I because I had to leave uh, the, the house, small house with kids, babies screaming, and so I had to leave the house to go follow up. I'd sit in my car and I had my list of all these people I need to follow up with because direct mail is pulling on all these leads, but I'm not too sure what to say, right? So I'm, I'm I have all these people out on the fence, and uh, and I have to call them and I'm looking at my phone, just staring at it. It's taking me five minutes to actually call somebody because all these feelings, emotions are getting in the way. <laughs> right. And you, and, and you, and you call them and, and you're hoping you're ringing, you're ringing, you're really hoping that they don't answer the phone because <laughs> you don't want to talk to them. Uh, and so um, I really struggled with the whole follow. And, and, and my feelings would get in the way where, where, um, where I would skip people and say, you know what? I, I called Sally two days, uh, two weeks ago. She probably doesn't want to sell. I'm going to, I'm going to bypass her. So emotions and feelings got away, uh, got in the way. So uh, I went on a journey after that. I, I went on a journey trying to learn marketing and sales. Um, that, that unraveled to me, for me, um, the whole world of copywriting, which is another whole, I mean, if you talk about real, people think real estate investing is this huge, like niche world. Copywriting is another whole niche world in of itself. There's all kinds of coaches and gurus and courses and everything in it. So I went to that, that world and I learned everything I can. I applied it then to, um, to my own life. I applied it to land flipping because I started land flipping. I started doing raw bacon land and creating a business out of that, a volume business. And it was actually going really well for me. And uh, mobile homes as well, slipping mobile homes into notes. Those are called Lonnie deals. And uh, I started applying those, what I was learning into that, <clears throat> creating sequences, writing um, emails, and doing, I was doing an almost daily email to my buyers list. Um, and so uh, then at the same time of that, like I'm going to mesh this, these stories together, try to make it brief. Um, I, I became a copywriter, uh, kind of fell into it and carried um, investor Kara Trevor Mock was my first client. Mm -hmm. uh, and from there, kind of just, just kind of went into this branch of all different clients coming to me, different, just finding it and just really enjoying the whole world of copywriting. Um, and then here I am today. I'm a, I'm, I don't work anymore as, as a W2 employee. Um, active copy, writing copy is my is my day-to-day -day income, but I also have Omnidrip, which is copy-driven follow-up sequences for, for investors. So that's my whole story in a nutshell. Interesting. Well, I'm just so curious. 
you know, there's not a lot of guys that, you know, get into into wholesaling or flipping houses and then say, Ooh, I like this one aspect. Let me get out of it completely and do this instead. Did your business start to dry up or was it that you just, it was really a matter of just, I just enjoy copywriting so much more than chasing down deals. Yeah. And that's a really good question. And it, at, when I was flipping land, I was building the business. I was getting really serious about it. And, um, but when I calculated out, like, because these are small deals when I was doing land, it was like, you know, you're talking about you buy it for a thousand, you sell it for eight. Good profit market. Yep, you sell it, right. But uh, you sell on a note, but those, those sell on notes. And, um, and I, you know, calculated out, I was like, well, I need to keep recycling these notes every three years. Um, I need to keep building, building, and building. And I calculated, I was like, man, this is going to take for my, my goal at that, at that time was to quit my W2. And, uh, I calculated, I was like, man, it's gonna take me like three, four years to actually quit this. Um, I know people listening are probably thinking, well, you could have done, you could have done bigger lots. You could, you know, there's all kinds of ways to do it. And I get it. But when you're brand new at that, you, you, you only see one route, you only see one road. And then at the, at that same time, I wasn't really enjoying chasing buyers and sellers. I was, I was, I was getting, uh, lots defaulted, you know, and that was kind of, uh, you know, that, that happens It's part of the business, sure. but then you have, to, you have to chase that again. And, um, I wasn't really enjoying the chase, the chasing of sellers and buyers. I wasn't really enjoying the, that part of the business or just the business in general. I wasn't really enjoying copywriting was there already. And I was, it was providing actually an actual income where I can quit my W2 the next day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I just said, you know what, let's, I'm, I'm closing that. I have my notes. I'll keep my notes for in passive income. And then I'm just going to jump right into full-time copywriting. So, yeah, that makes sense. So were you still working for the welding company? I mean, was that your W-2 or you're saying that you were working, you know, just that was my that was my W-2 for until I decided to take a leap of faith and jump into full time copywriting. I mean, people think I'm crazy for quitting it. And and maybe I am a little bit because, you know, they've offered full time benefits and they and retirement. And I mean, it was it it was it's a job that a lot of people fight for. And but I just I, I wanted the freedom to work when I want to work. With, to, with with the person I want to work with. Um, yeah, so, it, you know, it wasn't for me. So I decided to take that plunge. Yeah, makes sense. So interesting. So you you, you decide, hey, I kind of like this copywriting. This sort of fits my wheelhouse. I don't love being on the phone, but I like figuring out. So what did it look like for you to dive in and learn that? Because that's, you, you know, you mentioned it's like this whole niche world. And I don't think to what extent I realized that or even other investors realize because it's really a second thought for so many of us. It's like, all right, I'll send a text, then I'll send an email. Let me just whip something out. And they don't put a lot of thought into it. But you're saying like, this is a real big space where people study and learn and get better. What did that look like for you to dive in and learn that? Yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's a huge space that, um, I mean, you're talking about different levels of payment. You have, you have guys on the higher end that are getting paid $25,000 to write some, a, a package and, and then with wow. world pieces. So, uh, and then, and then you have different levels. And so I'm not saying I'm, I'm not, that's a level type, um, type copywriter, but how I dove into and learned it is, um, I, there's a lot of advice on copywriting of handwriting, great ads and things like that. So I actually started doing that. I just started handwriting hand copying. I should say there's, Famous guy. I mean, some people know who he is, but um, Gary Halbert. Um, a lot of people no, no. So he, he's he's. And anyway, I started co- hand copying a lot of uh, ads. I started writing my own email to an imaginary list, selling an imaginary product. So, um, 
I, and I had fun doing it. So that's important. Like I you know, this practice was, I was having fun doing it and I realized I was improving and getting better at it. So. Interesting. So how did you make the jump from, you know, an imaginary list to in the real estate investing space, actually doing this for a client? Um, so I, I actually started doing it for myself. <laughs> you know, there's some other piece of the puzzle. I didn't, I, I created a podcast in the middle of it because I wanted to meet more coaches and gurus. And, um, <laughs> And then I, I purchased the rights to a, a seminar and created an info product out of that. And I started, so I started selling that via, to, to my email list. Um, and it, and it sold, it sold decently well, but I mean, I had a small, I didn't that now I'm jumping into a whole new world. I mean, now you're talking about, now you have to have traffic. You have to be a lead generator. You have to be out there networking to, and, and I just had one product that it wasn't a coach or grew. I just had somebody else's seminar product that I was selling to my list. Um, so that's to answer your question. I started with that first, actually, until mm -hmm. I started actually writing for other people. And, and was the product, was it a copywriting product or was it totally something different? And you just it, practiced your copywriting chops. It, trying it was to actually, control. it was actually a real estate seminar on creative finance. Okay. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it, it's a, it's a good product, but I, I, I don't sell it today just because it's kind of outdated. So old. Yeah. And, and so, um, yeah, but it was, it was my start. Yeah. yeah, it was my start into info publishing and 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 selling via email. So then are you at this point exclusively real estate investing campaigns or do you still do copywriting for, for all sorts of areas? I no, I, I've kind of um put my my grounding in and being ex, uh, a, a real estate exclusive copywriter today. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I I don't function anymore in other in other industries just because there's enough work. There's a lot of people in the real estate space. Um and not I'm talking about investors i'm talking about coaches vendors software providers um mm -hmm. inside the the rei space um omnidrip keeps me busy too that's you know um that that's where i provide it just for investors that's like a package deal that we have and we and we plug it into the into investors um wholesalers flippers off-market investors into the crm that's exclusive to investors right now gotcha mm -hmm. so talk to me for a minute about like the difference between good copy and bad copy, because chances are most people listening to this that have a CRM did their own copy versus right. somebody that's like, you know, seasoned copywriter. And are there any metrics like to this will perform this much better versus your crappy copy? Yeah. So um, I'd say the first thing is what I see often is, is uh, the hump of, or the, the, the hump that people can't get over is, not being able to say anything else besides, are you still interested in selling? That's, that's really the only like, and, and the variations of it, um, that in of itself is completely a, um, self-serving message, self-serving marketing message. It's, it's a, it's a one-off direct question, which you do need, you know, there, uh, Dean Jackson, uh, famous in the marketing world. He was famous for his nine word email to, to revive dead lists and dead leads. Mm. Um, and it's, it's a simple question. That's really what it is. So you need, you need simple questions, but, like how often can you say that over and over again, right? Sure. So uh, what we've what I've put together is a number of drip sequences that add, and this is probably important for for everyone listening, um, add benefits and features. And that's like that's like copy one hundred and one is benefits. What's the benefit? What's the features? And what are the benefits of whatever you're selling? And cash offers, you know, cash offer in itself doesn't really say anything. You know, uh, everyone has their own interpretation of it, but but you can't. 
assume that the seller knows what they're going to get out of that cash offer. And there's, so there's benefits and there's benefits and features tied into that. So, so when I started, there was a really old school investor. Now this is when I was struggling with, with appointments. I struggled when I started in, uh, in the investing world. Um, he came to me and said, look, sit down and write a hundred ways that you benefit a seller. And, uh, you know, he okay, sat down, wrote it. I didn't come up to a hundred. I think I came up to 50, but still it was all these little things that that in ways that I help us out because we come into the picture thinking it's just about the price, but there's other things involved. That, and so it did two things for me. One, it, it gave me the confidence that I'm, oh, okay, I'm actually valuable here. Um, and two, it, it was it was fodder for for sales, for marketing, for copy, right? So sure. um, things like like leaving all your your unwanted things behind, you know, com- you know these simple features that we all know of, mm-hmm. no 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 bank what does all that mean and raveling that and and putting it into a marketing message so when i do write an sms so to give some some people some meat here when i write an sms i'm typically picking out one benefit or feature to have inside of that like here's a reminder of what we do here's a reminder that what this offer provides for you um we do with email we do a direct mail too so i i'm a copywriter for for some direct mail uh mail shops and um and you know the short the uh, what's been working really well for us is the the shorter card type letters um like greeting type uh, letters and um those are you know you can't fit a lot of words in it so i another problem i see investors having is they try to cram everything into a letter just just throw up on the page and everything we do we do this this is and that and that can, that that just leads people to glaze over glaze their eyes over and not read it i want people to read it so what's so when shortening copy down it's a really a hard thing to do actually shortening it down and getting down to the bare bones of what actually matters in today's market um that that i think is is a crucial point of copy so so to give you an example uh of this two years ago maybe three years ago a cash offer wasn't really um wasn't really that valued wasn't really perceived that value because it was all over the marketplace it was more of a commodity yeah. right you can get cash offer on the mls so if you put in your copy you just put cash off we'll give you a cash offer it doesn't mean anything uh, so what joe, joe schmo down the street can give me a cash offer yeah. Um, so we shifted, we changed in where we were saying instead, um, something very simple, um, that I think that we, we overlook, but no realtor fees, no commission, right. Um, you're going to get no commission out of this, but because, um, now it shifts, it shifts the, the cash offer into something else, right. It shifts it into a different benefit, different feature that nobody actually, the seller might not be thinking, thinking about, Mm -hmm. um, Today it's different. Today days on market might be a problem in your market. So then the the one benefit or feature if you're focusing on is, is that fast sale, that hassle free fast sale, right? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. So so sometimes less is more, and I think you're right. Less, a lot of, yeah. a lot of times that you know people are cramming everything possible, and it's the same. They're getting the same postcard from everybody. It's right. just looks slightly different, but it's got all the same bullet points. Yeah. Um, where maybe you set yourself apart, like you said, by just keeping the messaging more succinct, just straight to the point. It's yeah. Yeah. Straight to the point, but also like, what's the most powerful thing I can say here. So, so when we come out with like a seven card, not when I say we, I say like, like clients, like direct mail shops, and they come out with a seven card sequence that goes, you know, month after month. And, 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 and some of them focus on the branding where it's, it's, you know, there's different strategies in mailing. You can go, um, you can send a different type of mailer each month. 
which is good. I can't say one works over the other. It, the the data is all over the place, so it depends on market to market. Depends on what what they're already seeing, what what your sellers already seeing. And but another strategy is more of a, a car that's similar to the last card you sent. That so it has that branding effect. So mm -hmm. they. So they go to your, they Google your brand name or they go to your site and it creates that branding effect. So anyway, uh, when we send out this card sequence where we're, we're choosing seven of the, the best benefits right now in this market, uh, when I say this market, I mean, nation, nationwide. And sure. so uh, seven of the best, and we're putting one of those into the card. So we're not, cause the card, you can't say much. So we're, we have like a 55, might have a 55 word limit. Right. So it's it's really hard to to write copy with that limit. So I have to really choose the best one and I really have to fit it in so it has the most impact. Interesting. And you're saying greeting card, like a little that actually looks like a greeting card and you it comes in an envelope. I guess people are more likely to open that. But it doesn't look commercially, I guess, uh, salesy. What is it? What is the? Some of them, uh, I guess that was an example of one that some will send a regular, um, what is it, eight by, uh, not eight by 11, eight by 11 is a level envelope, but um, the the regular like six, uh, six by four small one postcards or a little bigger. Some of them will do a green card um, where, yeah, you flip, flip open this actual card. In my fault, in Omnidrip, in our follow up, we have, so I, I use, I plug in follow up mail for investors and that i think this is huge by the way so let me let me pivot into this yep. right now because i think yep. a lot of people are missing it so here here it is 80 60 80 percent of your of leads uh, are not going to sell today tomorrow this week or even this month they're going to sell way later down the road totally so investors spend like if they're especially if they're doing digital they might be spending 300 per lead to generate that lead sure. uh so they're willing to spend a. That's a lot of money. Lead generation in any business is a lot of money, no matter what. Uh, and Dan Kennedy talks a lot about this. A lot of people know who Dan Kennedy is, but um, yep. he uh, people spend so much money on lead generation, but they don't want to spend the same amount of time, money, effort on their existing database. They're all focused on getting the new leads, and you're spending three hundred dollars per lead. Now, if you now let, let's put this in perspective. If you mail only 30% of your leads. Um, let's just say hundred leads. Let's do some quick math. You get, a, you get hundred leads every single month, but you know, some of them are tire kickers. Some of them you might turn into a deal. Others, um, you know, they tell you to go to hell, right? Uh, so uh, you might mail 30% of those leads every month. You think about the cost of that. You, you spend one to $2 per mailer per, per, per lead. That is 30, 60 bucks. While you're over here spending $30,000 on lead generation right. for, for brand new leads when you have a database right there to send to send to. So I'm a big proponent of follow-up mail and we plug that in, plug that into drip sequence. And I'm not sending in what I say in that follow-up mail. It's not, Hey, um, I'm looking to buy your house. It's more of, because this is a lead that we've already spoken to. It's more of, Hey, um, we spoke to you a couple of weeks ago. Um, we haven't heard from you. What happened? You know, so like I'll have, uh, so I have different postcards to grab the attention and the copy is mainly we've spoken um, and something happened. We lost connection, whatever it was. And uh, we like to reconnect again and give you and, and try out our offer. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's my whole follow-up uh, scheme for mail, at least in a nutshell. It's such a good point to make too, that your best deals are in your database. Any investor will tell you that, that there's gold. We say this all the time. There's gold in the database. You know, you spend all this money building it up and obviously you're trying to knock down deals, but it's always, we tell people four to six months 
on average to pop a deal, you know, after you brought the deal into your database. Cause you're right. People are rarely ready to sell for way below market value today, but four to six months and their situation changes and their motivation level goes up. That's if you hit them at the right time and in your top of mind, because you've been nurturing that lead, that's when you get those deals. Mm-hmm. And, and um, I'm a big believer in, in nurturing um, and nurturing with, with multiple mediums and multiple angles. So what I mean by that is I come across all investors who are, um, are just using SMS to, to, in their drip sequences, huge, like, so you're narrowing down the pool of people that are actually going to respond to. I have, I have investors who like, so, so what we plug into our, our tasks notifications as well. So we, like I said, we have SMS, email, direct mail, we have tasks as well. I, you know, I'm not hundred percent sold on, you know, 100% automation. Right. We have manual follow-up in there. Of course it's needed. Yes. Uh, so, um, so when we plug in voicemail scripts to or call scripts for them to work with um, a lot of my some, some not a lot. I say sometimes every every once in a while, some clients come in like, oh, can we make this in a ringless voicemail? I I object to that. I hate, I, I hate that. And I think that's uh, that is a really narrow way of following up because, um, well, for one, there's legality issues with that in every state. But but two, um, you're narrowing your touches because I don't check my voicemail. I don't even have, I don't even get notifications of my voicemail. Um, now you're, you're narrowing your pool even further. If people are actually going to see you uh, connect with you um, here. Here's what I mean by that. A lot of my clients, when I dive into their CRM, uh, I see, I can see depending on the CRM, I can see the average amount of touches from, from lead to closed. And I'm seeing anywhere from 60 to to hundred touches. It takes for somebody to close a deal and touches are, you know, call it, a voicemail lap, direct mail send, all that, all that stuff adds up. Um, so I, so the how I see it is drips and follow up. The point of it is to add touches. We need to rep those touches and get those touches. And it's a lot of averages, right? So, um, so if you are just doing ringless voicemail, that's one touch. But if my task says call and then leave a voicemail, if they don't answer, and if they don't, if when you leave a voicemail, send a manual text letting him know you left a voicemail. That's three touches right there. I'm stacked, stacking on more touches, right? So they get a call notification, uh, they get a voice call, vo- voicemail notification if they have that set up, and then they get a text from you letting you know you just left a message. I'm creating, I'm trying to create this branding effect along with that too, because I'm trying to um, in text messaging. I send people to to back to our our website, back to the the client's website, mm-hmm. right? Sending articles and things like that. That's creating more, more touches on the, on the back, in the background. So. Right. Right. That's great. Yeah. So, so powerful to, and I agree with you 100% on this idea of setting tasks. One of the things we do in ours as well is in, and agree hundred percent on the ringless voicemail. We have that in our system as well, but to me, just pick up the dang phone because that's the you're building a relationship. Obviously, you're reinforcing the relationship with communication, but you still got to get on the phone. Remember their name. Write down the notes of their kid's name and whatever you learned about them. And then it's you're just furthering that relationship. And it's amazing how many of our franchisees are seeing success because they are. It takes months to develop this relationship, but the person that ends up selling to them will tell them, "I sold to you because I felt comfortable with you." And because, you know, you, you, you seem like a good guy and we sort of hit it off and it's like, they like you and they want to sell to you. And that really is what made the difference. Cause you have to still develop that personal relationship with them. We yeah. talked to someone last week, well, it was a week or two ago. And he said he, 
He finally got a deal. He'd left over a dozen voicemails. And the guy, when he finally reached him for the first time, he goes, well, I was listening to all your voicemails and you just sound like a good guy. Like you just sound like any decent guy. And so it works. It works. You, know, you can build a relationship with someone, even if they're not answering the phone. Yeah. Trust is a huge thing. That, that's a huge thing in copy too, is, is how, how do we move that trust gauge? Everybody has a gauge from, they start from zero and it moves over to, they trust the person. Everybody has that gauge. So um, you, you got to look at your sales process and ask like, am I, am I breaking down trust or am I adding trust here? And so um, with our drip sequences, we, tr we try to add trust as much as possible. I big proponent in adding your web your web presence in there because um, people are Googling you. Back in the day, I remember when I was doing direct mail, it was just the yellow letters, you know, and maybe they work maybe today, but uh, they still work today. But um, more, you know, the data is that more and more people are skeptical and more, 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 more people are, are Googling before they actually make a, a consumer transaction or purchase or decision. So a lot of them, what we see is a lot of people are Googling the name and they're filling out the form for, um, so, uh, so that's, so adding that web presence is big. I, I don't think the back in the days trying, trying to be the, um, Joe Schmo in the city, uh, writing a yellow letter. Um, I don't think that works as effective as actually having a complete, a complete presence to, to build that trust. Sure. They want more credibility than just somebody right. that can scribble on a yellow notepad. That makes sense. Maybe, um, get, let's just see if we can pull out a nugget for the people that are listening right now, who've got, they've got a CRM. If they've probably written their own copy, maybe it's working kind of not, maybe just talk for just a second. What do you see is what, where people are getting it wrong and one or two simple tweaks people can make to get to just to be, to improve what they've got currently. Yeah. So I would, let, let's, let, let's try to give a couple, I guess here. Um, I've mentioned giving value. Maybe I didn't talk about it, but, but if you, if you pivot and, and ask, how can I give value over just the self-serving message of, are you interested in selling? Um, Cause you're going to remember it takes 70 touches, right? So if you're, if you're taking 70 touches and saying, are you still interested in selling that gets old and you might get spammed or unsubscribed early on uh, of the stage. And you, then you lose that because you're just being boring, dry and self-serving. Yeah. Um, so ask yourself, okay, in each message. So when you're writing that one message, that one text message or, you ask yourself, okay, what's what? What can I say here that actually adds value? So you can add value in a, in a few ways. You can add value um, uh, via uh, giving them an article, uh, depending on the stage that they're in. Um, so if they're if it's a if it's somebody who told you they're um, fixing the house themselves, they said, hey, you know, your, your offer's too low. We're just going to fix the house themselves, which is a sequence I have, by the way. Hmm. Uh, you plug them in there. I'm going to give them an article right from the beginning on like five of the best, uh, five of the rehab items that are going to give you the best bang for your buck, right? I'm going to give them that. I'm going to give them information mm -hmm. on, on fixing a house. Hey, make sure that, you know, maybe I'll send them a tip, a little reminder. Hey, um, make sure that um, you remove any liens that your uh, mecha mechanic liens that your contractors put on your house. Um, so you can sell the house that you're not. Hey, make sure that uh, you use, you let your insurance know that you're fixing up the house because if there's a fire, you know, you're not going to, that's not going to be covered. So I'm just giving them all these tips, right? Mm. Um, because I know, and with that stage of a seller, um, with that stage of a seller, there's not going to, they're not going to sell. They're, you know, I mean, I'm sure. sorry, they're not going to fix the house. Yeah. Right, uh, right. They, they might, they want to sell, but they probably, majority of them are not going to fix the house. So I'm, I'm banking on that. So I'm showing up with value. I'm also reminding. So 
another way to give value is letting them know what you're reminding them of what that offer that you sent them or what you're if they haven't gotten an offer, what this offer might give them is, Hey, um, you know, going back to that stage where they they're fixing the house. Hey, letting you know that whatever, whatever condition your house is in right now, even if you started your work, we can still buy it from you. Um, call us if you want to get a new offer. Um, so, uh, so that is, um, going back to like to, um, going back to like the 10,000 foot view, it's not so much just about the, the actual words. Um, it's more about where is that seller at or that lead at mm. in the stage. Yeah. So um, there's all these little mini sales we have to make. So I, I remember um, listening to a forum or watching or reading a forum and this uh, lady was struggling with cold calling and she was like frustrated saying, I can't find a deal cold calling. And um, I, she's got it all in, in, I mean, she sucks being frustrated, but um, one of the reasons why she's frustrated, she has it all wrong. Her goal, her objective is wrong. She's not, you're not trying to find a deal when you're cold calling. All you're trying to do is find a seller, find sellers that you can pull out and put it now into your database. Now this is a seller that, that this is a, another stage of your process in your, in your factory of, of, of creating deals, right? It's all a factory, just moving people down the conveyor belt. So we have all these little mini, mini sales. First, you got to get the lead. First, you got to qualify your lead. Then you got to move that person into an appointment. That's, that's the first sale we have to make. Then move that appointment into giving an offer and so on and so on. And we have all these little branches that go from there. So I write copy based off of what stage they're in uh, for drip sequences. That's why I have 20 sequences. Um, we have sequences for when um, when there's no appointment, no offer made. And if it's a landlord, right? I segment landlord versus uh, owner-occupant versus vacant because I can. those have different problems that the other doesn't understand. And I can leverage that in the copy. That's so interesting. I think very few people break it down to that many different sequences. It's like... Long-term follow-up, short-term follow-up. It's like, that's it. But you're you're having very specific situations that you're speaking into. The, the problem with that, that long-term versus short, like the problem with that is that now you have a bucket of different situations in there that that you can't have, a you can't have a call to action, a clear cut call to action. And um, and so that's important copies. It's what's the next thing? What, what am I asking to do next? So if they haven't received an appointment or an offer yet, well, that's my next sale I have to make. I say, like, hey, if, if it's three months, six months since we spoke to them, it's like, hey, do you want to jump on an, app an appointment so we can you can take a look at our new offer that we have for you? Mm -hmm. um, something along those lines. You know, if they if we made an offer and they said low, if they said it's low, now it's a different now it's a different type of sale, right? Um, so if you have everything crammed in there, the only thing I, I, I can see why people have struggle with. Well, what else do I say besides are you still interested in selling? Well, yeah, you have a hundred different people in that bucket. And you can't really say much because there's no next thing to, to make, right? So, you know, if you're if you're on a call with somebody, if you're if you're um, whatever it is, at the end of the call, everybody should be asked, uh, communicate. Okay, what's the next thing? Is it is it getting on another call? Is it whatever it is? There's always a next thing in marketing sales. So, so and are you typically asking, hey, do you mind if I follow? I guess every phone call should almost end up. Are you okay if I follow up with you? I mean, how are right. you ending most? Right. That, yeah, I was giving an example of, of like how to apply it in other scenarios um, to, to be more effective in your communication. 
but yeah, I mean, if you, if you've, I mean, uh, yeah, oftentimes, I mean, I, I'm, I don't practice this as well as I should, you know, being on this podcast here, when we, when we call, we might not have a next thing. What's the next thing, but, sure. but, but be more effective, being, being more effective means um, actually having, you know, if, if, if people have the synergy and they're connecting, well, what is the next thing? Well, uh, let me go over this and let's go on another call for, for example, just for example. Sure. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Super eye-opening and, and, and if it, drilling into this is so important because it's such an important part of this business is is the follow-up and it's i think you hit the nail on the head people are spending all this money for that first that front-end lead and then they're not working it effectively and they're in their in a sense wasting money they spent 300 dollars for this pay-per-click lead they called them twice maybe had a conversation moved on to the next one and it's and, so cheap to follow up yeah, like because you've right. narrowed because you're narrowing down after you get your leads and you filter them, you've narrowed down your leads now, right? Yep. You only have to be 30% left that you, and, and, and it's cheap in manpower and cheap, cheap in, um, in the resources, it's cheap manpower because yep. you can use drip sequences. Now you don't have to have somebody constantly setting manual tasks, manual tasks after another. And it's cheap that cause you have, now you have less leads to use mail with. That's right. Yep. When you've invested so much money, you look at your database and you think how many tens of thousands of dollars that those leads represent. And if you're not working them effectively, then you're just throwing money down the tubes. Really? So you might as well, like you said, have all the sequences, build it out so that you, you know, you have a Ferrari of a follow-up system rather than a, a, a moped, which is what most people have. <laughs> right. A moped with half a, half a, a tank of gas. So <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, okay. So folks are listening to this. They're like, man, I, I definitely need, you know, an injection in my, uh, in my business, what a talk for just a second about Omnidrip. Yeah, so they can head over to uh, reiomnidrip.com if um, if they're interested in us plugging it in um, for the for our, for the cost of what it what it does. It's for results for our clients. I mean, um, it's it's you were talking about 10x, 20x, 30x. I mean, I had a client that said 100x uh, ROI. I don't know how true that is. Maybe it's wow. just he's thinking that number up. But um, the point is that. Uh, you can come up, you can come to our, to our site, you can check out what we're doing. You can check out samples too. They're on the bottom of the page. You can um, opt in for some samples if you'd like, uh, or you can book a call with me and we can go over what you have, um, go over how, how, how it can fit into your system. So we actually, um, we do, uh, it's not, we don't just say, here's some templates, go ahead and plug it in. It's, it's an actual service where you come in, we, uh, we understand your workflow already. If you have one, if you don't have a workflow, we'll give you one. Um, and then use your we we um, ask some questions about uh, about your process. Meaning, like if, if you're face to face, 100% face to face, we make sure the messaging matches that. If you're virtual, we make sure the messaging matches that. Uh, and then and then we plug everything in for you. We get out all the messages together. It's like 400 plus steps, I think. Uh, we get everything into your CRM for you. We test it out for you. We have um, support afterwards to make sure everything everybody understands and it's smooth and create, you know, just creating this system for you. So so making sure that that your 60% leads, whatever it is, uh, whatever number it is for your for organization, uh, is actually being followed up with in, in a systematic and a valuable way. Yeah. Love it. Again, folks, that's uh reiomnidrip.com. Paul, thanks so much for coming on, man. Really, really good messaging. Awesome. Appreciate being on, man. All right. Talk soon. Kevin, was that good or what, man? Dude, we need to do a better job. I, I, I'm telling you, that was just, that's valuable stuff. And as, you, as he talks, it's like, we can do better. We, we yeah. certainly can be doing better on the campaigns we use. 62 to 100 touches to get a sale. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it?
nobody think everybody wants the sale immediately they want well, a, and, one conversation one email and get that's just not how it works and just the thing of hey anytime you provide a touch point man provide value right you you want to give something and it's really it's not just copyright it's it's your 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 creating engagement you know to draw that oh, that was great i mean it was just it was some really valuable information i, I thought I, it was really 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 fantastic and we're absolutely going to talk to him because we got multiple campaigns and multiple things, sales funnels that we're run, running, and we could absolutely sharpen them. They could absolutely be better. What are the benefits and features that you offer to that homeowner? Right, you got to include that on every single one. Yeah, yeah we got to yeah. use this guy absolutely because we don't think about our questions sound self-serving. Hey, are you about to ready? Are you about ready to sell that house? Well, because I want to buy it from you at a discount. They they sense that. They know that. Quit hounding yeah. me. I'll sell it when I'm ready to sell it. It just, it makes all the sense in the world. I thought that was a, he was a really, really good interview. Very valuable for us. And just think, you had like a foot of snow falling outside his window while we yeah, talked to him today. That's, but that it really is. We need to sign up a franchisee in Quarter Lane, Kevin. Let's get on that. I tell you what, guess who I spoke with today? Who's Potential that? someone in in Quarter Lane. I, I did just Are a couple hours ago. Yeah, I oh, did. Heck yeah. yeah. And they're, they're phenomenal. It's a young couple. Oh, man. Uh, they have some experience and yeah, I might have those folks lined Dude, up for us. I don't know. They're, we they're phenomenal. Excuse. We need an excuse this summer to go to quarterly and let's get a franchisee up there. That's great. Yeah. Real estate's kind of expensive, but it is a hot market. Well, and you can pop over to Spokane's just right over the, the state line. And there's, I'm I sure know. there's plenty of good opportunity there. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in it, man. Let's do it. I'm, da- I'm game. I, I like it. Well, I'll wait till the snow melts and let it warm up a little bit. Then we'll head out to quarterly deal. Well, enjoy your snow in the meantime. Don't slip and slide. Don't fall too hard. Don't be one of those guys with the ring cameras who's, you know, caught no. walking down the steps and doing a backflip and everybody laughs. Don't be that no. guy. No, I'm making s'mores over the fire tonight. Guaranteed. Did nice. it last night. Doing it again tonight. Good call. Good call on the s'mores. That's what's happening. Good call. All right. You enjoy your s'mores, man. Let's do this again next week. Sounds like a plan. Take Good care. Man. All right. Friends, thanks so much for making it all the way to the end of today's podcast. If you or possibly a friend has any interest in learning more about real estate investing or opportunities with Red Barn Home Buyers, take a minute and head on over to redbarnhomes.com and check out our investors page or our franchise page, or just drop us a note. We'd love to hear from you. Can't wait to see you on the next episode of The Deal Farm. Hey friends, just a final thought before you check out. You know, so many of us are going 100 miles an hour through life. We're weighed down by stress or worry or even that haunting feeling of emptiness. But it doesn't have to be that way. I've actually put together a quick resource at faithcrossroad.com where I share just a little bit about the faith that gives me hope and purpose and identity. And I'd love to share it with you. Again, faithcrossroad.com.